Today is Friday, January 27th, 2023. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. A deadly church attack. We'll have that top story and more on today's podcast. We're bringing news from a Christian perspective. Subscribe, leave a rating, share it with a friend. Let's get through the news of the cray together. That's what we're doing here. Joining me as always, Billy Hallowell, Trey Gons Phillips. On this Friday, what's up, fellas? We've made it to the end of the week. I can smell the weekend. <laughs> what does it smell like? I would like to candy, know. candy, and candy. goods. I don't know. like donuts, Taco and Bell, coffee with even no. more sugar than it does on no. a weekday. Taco Bell just ruined the vibe totally. But yeah, I don't know if I would. I, I don't know that I want to wake up at seven a.m. to the smell of Taco Bell. There is no bad time for Taco Bell, <laughs> my friends. Let's just. I'm just gonna. We're gonna. We I'm just gonna leave poll. it there <laughs> because I think Billy and I would win this one. <laughs> I don't think so. I think you might be surprised that. Look, Taco Bell's got a breakfast menu, my friends. I don't know if you're aware of this. That look, is. True. I will shill for Taco Bell all day long. But all right, let's let's have a poll. Not I'm gonna a throw it up there. Uh, maybe we'll throw a Twitter poll up there. Some engagement bait, and uh, and think about it, and see what happens, and see what happens. Well, good morning, America. Uh, good morning, America. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Enough of our Taco Bell talk. What do we have coming up uh, on the podcast today? Yeah, so a, I mean, this is an awful story, but it's something that's happening more and more, I think, around the world is this church. The, these two churches were attacked uh, in what is, they're still trying to figure out what exactly caused it, but we'll get into the details. Mm. It left one person dead and four others wounded. So it's a it's a heartbreaking story. Yeah, heartbreaking story. Definitely. Uh, uh, need the details on that, and we'll get through them here in just a few minutes. So, also, um, the latest GDP numbers came out yesterday. What does that mean for chances for a recession and um, a whole host of other economic issues? John Stolen this Drew Park Hill from CBN have the details on that for the main thing today. But first, we're going to get through the news here in 90 seconds. Five former Memphis Police Department officers were fired following the death of Tyra Nichols, and they've been charged now with second-degree murder, aggravated assault, and other charges as well. A molecular biologist in Germany has announced that he's creating a fully functional artificial womb and claims that in a, quote, few short years, it would replace traditional birth. Last December, Hashem Al-Ghali released a concept video that features artificial womb pods for human babies. Never, needless to say, this is creating uh, quite a controversy. And it's, the video is titled Ectolife, the world's first artificial womb facility. Details how a factory can incubate up to 30,000 babies per year. You can read the rest of that story over at CBNnews.com. And a Georgia police officer has resigned after he was told by supervisors that he could not share his personal religious views on social media. Jacob Kersey, who's 19, had posted that God designed marriage. Marriage refers to Christ and the church. That's why there's no such thing as homosexual marriage. And he was suspended for that, but then eventually decided to resign after they put in a lot of parameters that he didn't want to have to deal with. So those are just some of today's top headlines. You can check out those stories and more over at CBNnews.com. Guys, I want to rewind back here on the headlines to this molecular biologist in Germany who is creating artificial wombs and is 
claiming that he's going to be able to have this done at some point beyond just the concept video. So this is slightly disturbing. Uh, yeah, it's beyond slightly disturbing. I am very skeptical that that is something that is going to work. Yeah. And the, the problem is, how do you test it without testing it on human beings at some point, right? I mean, that's what's really disturbing. Yeah, no, I think that's, that is what's scariest is we're playing God. And then not only are we playing God, we're also uh, running the risk of, of losing lives. Um, but I think a lot of that goes back to, I, honestly, I, I wonder if that's the thought that most people have when they read stuff like this, because I think we've so devalued what a human being is worth when we can't see them yet, when they're still in a womb. So I'm wondering if people have even thought that far, like people who are reading these stories on CBN or wherever else, obviously our audience has that awareness, but outside of, of our audience, just the general secular world, do they also have that awareness? And I'm sadly not convinced that they do. Yeah, I mean, just the fact of like churning out in a factory-like setting to churn yeah. out babies just seems um, to further that dehumanization of babies. I mean, but maybe in a weird way, there might be an un unintended consequence that you seeing these babies in the womb and caring for them. I mean, apparently people can't get around the fact that it's a baby in the womb right now, at least a lot of America, because they're pro-abortion. Um, I don't know, maybe in a weird way it would make people, if somebody went in there and destroyed one of those things, you'd be like, hey, what are you doing? That's a life in there. Um, but um, I, that's probably that's probably a bit of a stretch. I would say I'd, I'd lean more towards the former where just factory churning out babies in, in labs is uh, not going to end well. And I'd like to point out that until you can artificially create eggs and sperm, there's still a mother and father of this baby, right? right? And I right. think that culture often wants to erase some of that, but the reality is you can't have a baby without a mother and a father. Right, right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, you're not just making the baby out of thin air. So, all right, well, you can check out the details on that story over at cbnnews.com, but we are going to uh, head into... Uh, our focus story now is that attack that we had mentioned at the top of the podcast. This time it was against Christians in Spain. So, Trey, what happened here? So uh, authorities in Spain are looking into what they've deemed a potential terrorist attack after a man who was wielding a machete. He assaulted several people in two different churches. Uh, he left one person dead uh, and at least four others injured. So the suspect has the suspect has been apprehended uh, and is still in custody with the Spain's national police. Uh, but like I said, he attacked two different churches, actually just about 300 yards from each other. So they're very close. Uh, he went straight for the priest in the first church. Uh, the priest is alive, but he's seriously injured. Uh, then after attacking that pastor, he immediately moved to the next church uh, and continued his rampage. He killed a sexton, which uh, is a person in charge of maintaining the church grounds there. Uh, so that person, unfortunately, was killed. Uh, and in total, like I said, one was one was killed. That was the sexton. And then four others, including the priest, uh, were seriously injured as he just kind of went through. And their collateral damage were these, these other three uh, potentially trying to stop him. We don't know exactly what unfolded inside the churches. P police are still gathering that information. But three others were injured as he went from one church and into the next and ultimately killed that person. Mm. Did they Have they figured out any sort of motive in this? What's... Uh... Is it just general insanity? Um, I mean, what what's going on there? 
So it's interesting. They don't have a stated motive yet, but a judge with Spain's national court uh, said that he is looking into a motive. The judge has deemed the attack a possible act of terrorism, so they at least have an idea of kind of where they're looking and what they're thinking, uh, though a, a formal um, decision on, on on the motive hasn't been made yet. Uh, but detectives are also considering this an act of terrorism. So, of course, they're going to be interviewing and interrogating him uh, in the days to come. So that'll probably unfold with more details uh, in the coming days. But they don't know an exact motive other than that they do believe it was an act of terrorism, presumably against Christians or Catholics. Hmm. Uh, are there are the leaders responding? What are they saying? So Francisco Garcia, the secretary of Spain's Episcopal Conference, he said news of the attack caused, quote, great pain. Uh, he added there are sad moments uh, or these are sad moments of suffering. We are united by the pain of families of the victims and for the diocese of Cadiz. Uh, the city also declared a day of mourning. Uh, following the attack, residents actually gathered yesterday uh, for a moment of silence in front of the two churches, particularly the church where that sexton was murdered. Uh, and then also the mayor of the city uh, said, we are all stunned by these attacks, which have filled us with pain. Uh, Al Jazeera, that's the name of the city, uh, has always been a city where concord and tolerance reign, uh, despite in, uh, incidents like this that create an image that does not correspond to reality. So certainly a heartbreaking situation, but it's great to see the residents coming together uh, and obviously political and religious leaders coming together to figure out what exactly motivated and inspired this. But of course, it comes at a time when so many countries around the world are facing greater hostility toward Christians. And it seems like in Europe in particular, there's been the, been this uptick uh, in attacks on Christians in recent years. Hmm. Yeah, indeed. Certainly concerning, obviously. And, and it always seems like Europe, some of these other nations are a few steps ahead of America, sometimes on the yeah. persecution front. But even just reading the story we talked about during the news segment with the Georgia police officer resigning over just posting some basic thoughts on traditional marriage and scripture. And that is a concern that I think a lot of American Christians have had now for some time, that you see this growing hostility towards just Christian um, principles and beliefs. And so... When you see these sorts of attacks happening, again, we don't know the motive here fully yet, but it certainly keeps you on edge and on alert, given the rhetoric we're seeing today against Christians. Well, yeah, it does. You know, I think a lot of us, when we talk about the World Watch list and these annual sort of analyses of what's going on around the world, we expect to see this in Nigeria and these other places. The fact that we're seeing it in Western countries, um, it, it's really alarming and it makes you wonder you know, as we sort of denigrate faith and push faith out, will there be more of this? I mean, I, I think that's sort of the the bigger, broader question. We're seeing it right now with pregnancy centers on a lesser, you know, I mean, I, I don't want to diminish what's happening there, but, you know, fire bombings and attacks and that sort of thing. It seems like all of this hostility toward faith is on a bit of an uptick right now. Yeah, well, I think a lot of it, too, is the fact that we have a culture right now uh, that's making the Christian worldview the one, the singular one that's completely unacceptable, right? So when you're consistently hearing this drumbeat of Christians are bigoted, Christians are hateful, Christians are homophobic, I think it just emboldens people who maybe already have issues, right? People who are already predisposed maybe to being violent because of mental health struggles or whatever it is. I think they hear that over and over and over again, and that becomes their mindset, right? Is that the, the Christians or the conservative groups are kind of the other, 
so they're they're the problem, uh, and I think it justifies maybe in a, in in a weird you know dark way uh, the actions that they take against against these communities against believers. Mm. Yeah, indeed. Well, certainly something to keep an eye on in general. This trend, and hopefully it doesn't continue to increase. But uh, certainly prayers up for the uh, people there um, in Spain and that are impacted by this. And um, all the Christian persecution that we're seeing happening around the country now. Trey, thanks for bringing that one. We're gonna we're gonna head into the main thing now. And the U.S. GDP did rise 2.9 percent in the fourth quarter, a little more than expected. So, what does this mean for future recession fears? Is the economy really on the right track? Well, um, we talk about that on the main thing with CBN's John Stolness and Drew Parkhill. Well, Drew, I do want to talk to you about the Fair Tax Act that some conservative Republicans in the House say they want to move forward on. But first, we got some information this week on the U.S. economy expanding at a 2.9 percent annual pace from October through December. So uh, GDP uh, growing, continuing to grow here at the end of 2022. But uh, it was decelerated from the previous quarter of 3.2 percent July through September. And so even though we are dealing with high inflation and we were dealing with high inflation at the end of last year, the numbers do say that the U.S. economy was continuing to grow. However, I know most economists think the economy will enter a recession at some point this year. So from where you sit, what does this 2.9 percent number mean to you? Um, right now, it's it's a backward looking number. OK, um, it tells us where things are standing at the moment, John, it doesn't tell us where we're going to be in the next quarter and the quarter after that and so forth. It's I, I read once something to the effect that it's not uncommon for the economy to look r- right around 3% before it goes into a recession. So this could be normal. But if you look at the forward-looking indicators, th- most of them are really, really negative. For instance, um, leading economic indicators over the last six months, from what I've read, are down an annualized rate of 8%. Okay, so that would be in the realm of where we've uh, been into for prior recessions. Okay, um, there are other indicators. The bond market, um, there's one measure that's used by the, um, I believe it was by the New York Fed. Uh, but in any event, just in general, uh, if you look at the bond market, it's just screaming recession. And the bond market, uh, what's known as the inverted yield curve, I'm not going to get into the weeds on it, but I mean, uh, it, it is just brutal because uh, I look at this every day because I'm a, I'm a nerd for these things. And um, this is the biggest inversion we've seen since 1981 or so, which led to the terrible 1982 recession, which was the worst since the depression. Now, we're not going to have another depression or anything like that. So we're looking at some indicators that are reliable, that have a good track record, and they're definitely saying recession. I think the chances of a recession are pretty good, at least if you follow the normal indicators that signal that a recession is coming. Um, how bad it will be is hard to say. It's it's kind of artificial because we've got so much government action that's led to this, and we've lost, you know, around a million people died. A lot of them would have been workers, and so no wonder we have a, a worker shortage. But um, I think that we're definitely going to have a recession. 
Uh, I think the chances are pretty good, but it may take a different form than what people think it will. It may not last as long. Uh, we, we don't know. We, we just can't say yet at this point, but it's going to happen. Now, after that recession, I think the second half of this decade will be very strong for the economy. It'll be very strong for the stock market. Um, once we get through all this, once all the COVID distortions are worked out, um, I, I think that, like I said, between like 2024 or 2025 through the end of the decade will be really good. The other thing I wanted to talk to you about was the Fair Tax Act. Um, this had been talked about a lot uh, in terms of what House Republicans wanted to do. They want to they want to get rid of the IRS and institute a massive 30 percent sales tax. And not all Republicans. I say Republicans. There are a certain number of conservative Republicans in the House who who are who support the Fair Tax Act, which would institute a 30 percent sales tax on all purchases in exchange for doing away with income, social security, and Medicare taxes. Now, uh, it does seem as though this week, this bill does not even have the support of the new House Speaker, Kevin McCarthy. It's not even, it wouldn't go anywhere in Congress anyway with a Democratic Senate and a Democratic president who could also uh, throw out the veto, but it would have been a symbolic push by House Republicans if enough had supported it to, for the first time, I think, really make the IRS um, Sweat a little bit. I mean, the, obviously, the IRS is a, is a target for for House Republicans here, and and some Republicans in the Senate as well. So, can you just kind of lay out for people? And I think most of our listeners, you know, some we have some listeners, I'm sure, who are on the higher end, some listeners who are on the lower end. The majority of of, of listeners are probably what they would call what we would call middle class. And how would this fair tax affect Americans in these different socioeconomic levels? Well, okay, at the higher end, there it'd probably be great. It really would be a quote unquote tax break for the rich, um, although. The rich, high earners, they have these people called lawyers and accountants <laughs> who, know, <laughs> who know the tax code. So, yeah. but, but the simple fact of the matter is, John, right now, the majority of the money that comes into Washington from income taxes come from the quote unquote rich. Okay. Yeah. I say quote unquote because a lot of people who pay higher rates really aren't really rich by standards. Um, some people are surprised to find out that Washington thinks they're rich, but by the standards of the middle class, they're rich. But that's where the overwhelming amount of money comes from. That would a lot of that would go away because look, let's say you're let's say you're a family of four and you've got two kids, two parents, okay, and here we are and you're paying whatever you're paying five hundred dollars a month in food. I'm just making up numbers because who knows mm -hmm. what it is. You know, okay, well, if you're making $10 million a year or you're making $25,000 a year, you, you know, and you're a family of four, you could still be paying more or less roughly the same amount of money in food. Okay. Right. But, you know, so that would mean that the, your food taxes, you know, they're going to mean a lot more to that lower income family than they are the higher income family. Now, the higher income family may go off and buy a yacht or whatever, or a high end car or something if they want to, but they may not. But it's definitely going to hit um, – now, they say they're going to give lower-income family a check, a prebate, you know, which a lot of conservatives are don't like that idea. They say this is basically just a precursor to universal basic income. In other words, just giving everybody money, which is an idea that's been around for at least 50 years. Hmm. Um, but the middle class is really going to get hit by this because, you know, it's just – oh, my gosh, there's no way around it. 
I mean, the middle class will get hit because um, their income taxes may be gone, but all the other taxes that they have to pay uh, are still on all the things that they have to buy just to get by. You know, yeah. they're going to pay taxes on it. And almost everybody agrees that the middle class would really get hit by this because they're really going to feel it. And I don't think that there's any doubt about that. There's a lot of other downsides of this, too. I mean, uh, some some people pointed out correctly that this is similar to what they have in Europe, which is called the VAT, the value added tax, where they just tax something every step along the way. And the person doesn't see it until they see the final price. Well, the final price is much higher than what we would pay because we don't have that tax. But also, look, your your deductions for charitable contributions would go away. Your deductions for mortgages would go away. I don't think right. that would be very popular. You could create black markets. And the as the Wall Street Journal pointed out a few days ago, let's say that, they, that this actually went ahead. Well, first of all, the transition would be a nightmare. Secondly, who's to say that down the road somewhere, some future Congress would say, you know, let's bring back the income tax. So you'd have both the income tax and a sales tax. I mean, it would be yeah. a nightmare. So, you know, not to mention the fact that we've just come through the worst inflation in 40 years. And all of a sudden, you know, I mean, you think the price of eggs is bad now. You know, just <laughs> imagine it going up by 30 percent. I mean, yeah, your paycheck would be bigger. But the question is, would it all balance out? It, those t- what if 23 percent or 30 percent is not enough? Right. To equal right. the amount of money that's coming in now. Let's say that they find out that all of a sudden people aren't buying as many X, Y, or Z, this type of food or that type of clothing or whatever, because it's so expensive. You know, well, then maybe they're going to have to raise the tax. I mean, it's, there are all kinds of problems with this. There are still definite, definite problems with the current system, but changing it to this extent this fast. I cannot imagine it's politically possible. It doesn't look like that's going to change anytime soon, but at least gets the conversation started about changes that could be made to the IRS, perhaps, because certainly that is an institution uh, that most Americans would agree could use either some reform or some shaping up. Or, I mean, the tax code is very difficult to understand for for most Americans. So I, I think the impetus to try and bring clarity to our tax code and the IRS and everything is a good one. This just may not necessarily, at least right now, seem to be a politically feasible way of doing that. Drew, thank you so much for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Okay, anytime, John. Thanks. All right, guys. Thanks for breaking that down. Appreciate it. We have time now for one last thing. So Psalm 16.8, because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. And so I think about that Spain story and all the other stories that spark uncertainty and fear and the fact that you know, when we're afraid, when we're worried, we can remember that God is at our right hand. He's right there for us and we should not be shaken. Yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. I mean, uh, in our yearly study that we're doing, I mean, we're in Job as well. And you think about even in that situation, it was, there was a purpose. God was, um, you know, working in that situation, even as horrible as it was for Job. So uh, you think about this from the Psalm as well. And you just try to remember, look, no matter what sufferings we have, no matter what things we have going on, um, trust that God is there ultimately working things for good. And it, it you, sometimes that's just so much easier said than done, but it's just so great to, that's what the Psalms are great for is to remind ourselves of God's goodness. Yeah. I think it, it is tough at times to, to remember that when you're going through really, really hard things, 
that that God is still in control and that he's still sovereign over it all. And then I think on the other end, when you're going through really, really good things, it's easy to start taking credit for it, right? To like, well, look what I've accomplished. Look what I've, yeah. I've brought about in my life. Uh, but it's actually uh, all God on both ends of the spectrum. Uh, and remembering that is just critical. Yeah, absolutely. Good place to leave it there on... Uh, for the week on the podcast. And as always, head on over to cbnnews.com, faithwire.com. Get more news from a Christian perspective. Why go out to all these other sources that don't even put God in the equation? We do. And we put God first. Happy to do it. And happy to be here with you each and every weekday at 7 a.m. Lord willing, in that creek don't rise. We'll be back here on Monday with more. God bless. Have a fantastic weekend.